Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli, and welcome to today's show. So today's show is a little different than some of the others. I wanted to do a market spotlight on Florida and some of the markets that we're building new construction homes in. But when I was talking to one of my large property providers out in Florida, who I have today as one of my guests on the show, we got thinking about doing a post-pandemic market update, and we did talk about markets around the country. So it's kind of uh, nationwide in general to some degree, but there was a little bit more of a focus on the Florida markets because that is just a hotbed right now for growth and activity, investor interest, investor demand, to the point where builders have literally stopped taking orders. Not all of them, but many of them. And so they are pacing themselves. Literally, they have a term in the industry for how many contracts they take at any given time, whether it be per week or per month. So it's time for a market update with a focus on Florida. And this is coming from a post-pandemic perspective because the last time I had Jim on was exactly one year ago last June. And so it makes sense for us to get caught up. Now, let's remember something about Florida and one reason why I like the Florida markets so much. It is one of the best states for real estate investing. They have stable markets, a very diverse economy, strong population growth, organic growth, international demand, home of many, many Fortune 500 companies. You can get newly built single-family detached homes, duplexes, and these come with warranties. So, you know, that's always nice. Not to say that there is anything wrong with newly refurbished existing inventory, which can be just as good, if not better, because often they are in very mature markets with strong demand and desirability from the existing population there. And you can find both of these types of properties in solid white and solid blue collar areas, all with good rent to price ratios. And so that's a very attractive thing and something, of course, that you want to look at as a real estate investor. And of course, there's very high private sector employment. The Florida markets in general, and to a large degree from Texas on over the whole Southeast region, does not have a very high public sector employment base. It's predominantly private industry, which is great. And it happens to be one of the fastest growing job markets in the country. And when I say it, I'm referring to Florida as a whole, and we can break Florida down to, into its various regions. So I'm very bullish on real estate, as I talked about in a previous episode about six or eight weeks ago. If you haven't listened to that episode, I would go back and listen to that one. I literally say why I'm so bullish on real estate and, and all the reasons why. So anyway, let's get to our interview today. So I hope you enjoy it. And if you have any questions, hit me or my team up and we'll be happy to help you. All right. With me today is Jim, one of our fantastic new construction property providers in the state of Florida and some other places as well. But I want to welcome him back to the show because it's been a while since we had him on. And uh, we got into some conversations recently about what is going on in this crazy hot market down in Florida, especially as we are kind of moving away from this pandemic. So, Jim, welcome back to the show. Marco, good to be here. Thanks for having me. 
It's always great having you on. I know we have you on our um, team calls once in a while so you can update my team. And I got thinking, well, heck, you know, this is great information with what is going on in the hot, hot markets all throughout Florida. So this is probably a good time to talk about the Florida market, give everybody an update, because I know a lot of people like and love Florida as an investment state. And especially, you know, as we are getting into this time that we could probably start calling post-pandemic. So where would you like to start? I was thinking we can just start with a 40,000 foot level of what the heck has happened in the last year. Yeah, that's a that's like a, a big 40,000 foot view for sure, because <laughs> yeah. none of us had ever expected anything like we saw. And no one really knew what to think was going to happen, Marco. That was the crazy thing. There were some fundamentals out there that were showing positive signs. But I don't think any of us knew the growth that Florida was going to experience. So overall, the word growth is an understatement. To be our model, as you know, is always to build new construction, investment property in high growth areas. That's always been our niche. That's what we've done together for so much. And obviously that became an understatement. You know, with in a non-political, Florida handled things a certain way than other states did. It attracted people to come there. It attracted businesses to come there. And there was a need for housing. I mean, our Southwest markets alone, you know, the municipality the year before the pandemic had released a report showing they were three years behind on inventory. So with the influx of population that's occurred over the last year and businesses, we haven't been able to keep up. The good news is through all this, there was, as we all remember, essential businesses. Certain businesses had to sit on the sidelines. Other businesses were lucky to continue. And in Florida, real estate construction was deemed essential. So what this allowed us to do was it allowed us to continue to build, which was a much needed experience. And one of the things with building that's happened over the last years, as we've seen, there were some surprises. I mean, lumber went up from May to May, uh, 410%. That was at its height. It's dropped down a little bit. So obviously there were some increases in material prices, but luckily with being in Florida, the material increases did have to increase prices to build a home, but the values have had a staggering jump just because the old supply and demand. People want to live in Florida right now. I've always wanted to live in Florida, but other people are saying, hey, it makes sense. It's someplace we want to be. And so the demand for housing has put us at, I mean, a healthy market normally, as you know, Marco, has about you know four to five months of inventory. Right. We're at about less than a month of inventory in the major markets that we build in. And that causes an incredible demand and also an upward pressure on rent that we're starting to see, which is great for us investors who are wanting to plant our feet into a portfolio of properties and have the wind at our back. Yeah, I don't know if you know this. We have some builders that we work with in Florida, not including you, but a few other builders that we work with that have literally put the brakes on any new sales. They just don't have enough inventory or any inventory right now. Second, they don't know when they're gonna have enough supply to be able to, to break ground and start building and then have prices locked in at a point when, you know, when the time comes that they need the copper and the lumber that they know what their costs are. So it is possible that some of these builders go under contract or have a reservation with a customer at a particular price. And by the time they actually break ground and start construction and put the concrete and the lumber in place, the costs have gone up so much that it's eroded away their profit margins. I don't know what's happening with you guys, but 
this is actually a trend that we're seeing where builders are literally not locking prices in. They're going to take a reservation, put you on a list, but they won't start construction until they have a gauge on material. Yeah. We've been fortunate to be able to lock prices. We had to do some material increases on some people that had contracted middle of last year, and we gave them the option to either step out and receive their deposit back plus 6% interest fee, or we could just add a little bit on to make up for some of the material increases. And when they saw what that amount was compared to what the today's value of that property was, they were happy to continue to move forward. We're at this time able to lock in prices and give a price because, well, one, we brought in the number two guy from KB Homes before this whole thing started. He's been great at having those relationship for bigger fulfillment amounts. So that helps give us some sort of visibility. The second thing, Marco, is we, as I said, it was an unknown time in the pandemic, but we took a very big chance. People smarter than me who understand the economies that I listen to, you know, I know you study that a lot more than I, but they said, I think this is actually going to be good for real estate, especially for Florida. So my building partner and I doubled down and we actually went into $20 million worth of land in Florida at the very beginning of the pandemic. So supply of land and finding the right land in these high growth markets has been tough for a lot of builders where we anteed up at a very early stage in the pandemic to make sure that we had lot inventory to be able to build our house homes on. And that was a risk, but it's a risk I'm very glad we took because one of the reasons I think builders are on the sidelines, like you said, they just don't have the lots. They don't have any land that's been, you know, through going through the development process and almost ready to be released. And that's where we took some serious measures to make sure we could. And that's why our inventory is strong every month with Narada to be able to offer properties. And the build times are continuing to, they're not as short as they used to be, but they are starting to get into more of a fixture now that county departments are open. Materials are becoming more available, as you said, as we're coming out of this pandemic. Well, demand in Florida is so incredibly strong, not just domestically, and especially in some of the larger markets like Miami, Florida, and Southwest Florida, like Cape Coral and Fort Myers. But we've got this massive demand coming in from international buyers. There are Florida ranks in the top 10 U.S. markets as far as international demand. And so we've got this in migration from outside the country, as well as people moving in from places that like New York State, New Jersey, and other parts of the U.S. So demand is, I mean, to use the phrase through the roof, it's through the roof. Yeah, it's been pretty staggering. You know, to give like a, a personal example, I grew up as a kid in New Jersey, and the, the dreaded thing, Marco, was going to get your license. You were excited to get it. But the New Jersey DMV is notorious for, you'd be in there for three, four hours at least. So you're, you want to get your license, you're sitting in there for four hours. When I got to, you know, St. Augustine, Florida, where our original market was Jacksonville, our little DMV, you'd be out in and out in 20 minutes and you'd, oh my gosh, what a change. Well, just the other week I was with friends who were involved in real estate and they've had a couple of uh, different uh, family and friend members move down from New York and New Jersey. And they said that they were complaining that they were in the DMV in our little area of Northeast Florida for over two hours. And I'm going, wow. That's crazy because what that says is there's so many people being issued new licenses, uh, which I had heard and read a study on that it was, it really has been interesting to watch it happen right in my own backyard where you can feel the effects of something that's not real estate related, 
but it's service related. Well, wow, we are taking in a lot of new people and that will require housing. There's just not enough of what was already existing there, which were proven by the inventory levels we have right now in the MLS. There's basically nothing. So this tremendous demand for housing, which is fortunately predominantly organic. It's not just investors coming in, speculating, looking to build a new construction home and flip it nine or 12 months later, like we saw back in 2006. But it's true demand. It's people looking for households. This has caused some double-digit price growth year over year, pretty much in every single market. I was looking at or reading a report just not long ago, and I saw that pretty much every market in Florida was clocking in a double-digit price appreciation year over year. Is that what you're seeing? Is that pretty consistent with your markets? For sure. It's been double-digit. Not only with that, we're also reaching a double-digit in rent increases. So it's the standard of, again, supply and demand is a very simple economic concept that we're really seeing the effect on. So yeah, all of our markets, again, we've been going into any market we went into, you know, we have our five factors, Marco, before the pandemic, we wanted to see that there was already existing population growth occurring. There was economic growth, more businesses going there. They were good on the affordability index, you know, the national affordability index. We wanted them to have a good, strong number there and then something desirable to the area drawing them there and healthy supply and demand. Like you said, we don't want to go to someplace like in 2006 where there was more houses than there were people. So those were always our five factors that were there before the pandemic. And with the pandemic, the fact that these markets already had these things, these are the places of growth. Like three of our markets in Southwest Florida, like you named Fort Myers, Cape Coral, and then also Lehigh Acres, those were all released two months ago in the top 20 fastest growing cities in the nation. So just three of our markets in Southwest Florida are in the top 20. And two of those are in the top three. Fort Myers is number one, and I believe Cape Coral was number three. So again, it's very interesting to see so much has emerged on Florida. I think they'd always talked about a baby boomer migration happening, you know, as more people retire in that generation, but no one expected a pandemic migration. This might blow your mind there, Jim. So builders around the country were polled. There was a survey done just very recently, last month actually, and they were asked how much have net prices increased year over year on average. And the national average, looking at every region across the country, the national price increase on average was 18%, which is incredibly high. And I'm guessing that a lot of that was driven by lumber and other commodity prices increasing. But Florida was right there with the national average at 18% price increase, with the Southwest as a whole having a 19% price increase, Texas 20%, and the Northwest, which surprise or not surprisingly, was 22, the highest, 22% price increase year over year. Yeah, that is surprising. It's very surprising. But I think that what we're seeing is one of my first questions, Marco, was, is this 2007 again, going into the pandemic? And what a lot of the, I only follow a few economists, but the few that called things right in 07, 08, um, and even in the 80s that have been playing that long, said this is different. And one of the reasons why is the lower interest rates and the demand. You know, when there was a, I don't know if you saw that the Wall Street Journal was the other day, released a report that said Freddie Mac did a study. And based on the April numbers for what is in demand right now, and this, I didn't even believe it, Mark, I had to read it twice. They said, we are short 3.8 million single family homes right now. That didn't even seem 
possible in a number. And what they're talking about is the demand of what's being wanted that just there's not inventory. People are holding on to things. They're not wanting to go or there's just such a demand to go more into more of a home because of being in this going in this shelter in place experience. They said we were short 3.8 million homes of desire. I couldn't believe that number. 3.8 million short as of right now, or was that a prediction for a particular year? That was in April. Now in May, they updated it to, I believe it was, and I can send you the article, it was 2 million, a little over 2 million single family homes. And then I, was it 550,000 multi-units being short, small multi-units, meaning four or less units. And when I hear that, that's for a national average. I can't help but think with Florida, with its huge amount of influx and population, even ahead of Texas and Tennessee, is got to be a big chunk of that. Well, that's a massive shift. And I'll tell you why. It was about a year ago that Freddie Mac was predicting that we would have an up to 4 million housing unit shortage by the year 2030. And we're in 2021 right now. So we're way ahead of that prediction now. I mean, we're, we're almost yes. there. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Wow. Yeah, so it's been interesting to watch that. So I think that for years, I hung my badge of honor, Marco, on rehabbing homes. You know, I was very active in the foreclosure market and after the fallout of 08, and that was well. But seeing how that market had changed and going into the new construction very heavily seven years ago, that was a shift that was not easy, but I just think it has more controls, especially when there's no inventory. I want to be able to create my own inventory because if I'm bidding on an old fixer-upper with 150 other investors, it's probably going to get emotional, which means I'm going to have to overbid it, which means I, I would have to cut corners to get it fixed up, which I don't want to do. So taking the leap over into the new construction was taking three steps backwards to take five steps forward. But I think that it was an evolution we had to do as investors to be able to handle this shift. And believe me, I did not know there were this type of shortage of in inventory. I had no idea. All I could see was, wow, we are bidding against investors willing to go higher for us on fixer uppers. Maybe it's time to start creating our own inventory from the ground up. Yeah, I think a lot of what we're talking about, Jim, can be carried across the entire country. I mean, we're not generalizing. We're talking a little bit more about Florida than other places. But what's happening in Florida is also happening in other places. And what you did in terms of moving out of California to Florida to build new construction there, to buy up land and start doing what you're doing was incredibly smart. Just, you know, way ahead of yourself. But that was the smartest thing someone could have done. So let's take a pivot here. Okay, so I'm listening to this as a prospective investor or an investor. In fact, full disclosure, I'm in the process of purchasing an investment property in Florida right now. I'm out picking, you know, a location, but I'm very bullish on Florida as I am for most markets around the U.S., but not the largest of the markets like the tier one markets. I think there are some issues there. But I'm very bullish on real estate in general. I did an episode probably two months ago explaining why I'm so bullish on U.S. real estate. But I especially love Florida for so many reasons. You know, it's, it's a tax-free state, diverse economy, stable market, home to many Fortune 500 companies, some of the best local real estate markets. The numbers still make sense. So there's so many reasons. But I'm an investor listening to this, you and I talk, and thinking, well, either one, I have FOMO, fear of missing out, or I have FO or FOO, whatever you want to call it, F-O-O, -O, fear of over 
forgot the acronym now, fear of paying too much is basically what it is. That'll come to me in a minute. But is there validity in that? Is it too late or are we still in a like in an early inning of this particular housing market cycle? And that's a great question. And no one has the exact answer in it. But again, I try to look at fundamentals. And when you go back to 06, 07, there was some signs of some very strange stuff. There was fog mirror loans um, where, you know, it was these very odd adjustables. 110% of the loan was financed. 110% of the purchase price was financed. 530 credit scores very strange. Uh, there was also inventory was creeping up. The inventory amounts were creeping up, creeping up, creeping up. And like where I left in Bakersfield, California, there was absolutely zero cash flow. Zero. I mean, it couldn't get a 1% cash on cash return for what we were selling out of our portfolio there and moving to California. I mean, moving to Florida. So from the fundamentals, it looks like it's different. From the concern, I think it's a healthy concern to say, wow, these things have gone up so quickly, is it over? Is it too late? Is there a bottom? Again, I go back to what's the inventory like? What do the interest rates look like? What is the return on investment? And it seems like for certain areas of the country, it looks like there is another, you know, as you said, the housing shortage going right up to 2030, there is a demand and an inflationary period right now where it seems to me, Marco, like we're resetting. You know, we've reached a new level, but there's new factors involved one of them being inflation, where I think we're all going to feel like the old guy. The old guy saying, you know, my father grew up in New York City. He can say, I remember when pizza was a quarter, a slice, you know, and <laughs> I think we're becoming my dad, where we'll say, I remember we could rent a property, that property for 1050. Now it's at 1850. And from all my inflationary friends who made it through the 70s to 80s and made a lot of money, that's when rents start to jump. That's when value started to jump. And I think we're starting to see that since we're in an inflationary time, that there is going to be another run of not only value increases, but rent increases. Because if the values just go and the rents don't, that's not going to work. But we're seeing growth in both. So I think, again, speaking on the one area I know the most, Florida, I think we have quite a run up still about to happen because both those factors are going up, both the rents, both the values. And the demand is so huge with little supply, the wind continues to be at our back. Well, you mentioned inflation. Most people don't like inflation because they don't want to pay more than what you know they feel they should on goods and services. But I don't know if you saw the Wall Street Journal recently. It was like within the last seven days. But they, as in you know the media, is finally coming out and saying that U.S. inflation is the highest that it has been in the last 13 years with prices surging 5%. And I think that's a low number because we all know that certain things have increased more than 10% in terms of price of inflation. So for them to come out and start characterizing this accordingly, in fact, right in the article, it says overall prices jumped at a 9.7% annualized rate over the three months ended in May. So that is the highest jump in inflation over the last 13 years. And we're seeing that in housing. We're seeing it in food healthcare, education, I mean, the big things, the things that most people spend money on. Yep. And the thing that won't, as we all know, the old investor uh, playbook says, if you're locked into debt, fixed rate debt during inflationary times, you start to pay off your debt with cheaper dollars. 100%. Which is a very concept. And that's something that cannot 
be overlooked. One thing I know we don't realize as lucky as we are, I did some investing years back with friends in Australia and it was a good experience. We did well, there was good appreciation and we timed it well. Uh, but the one big risk that they always say they have there, we don't, they can normally only lock their rates for about five years. Yeah. Five years. And, or they pay exorbitant fees to go to seven or 10. We have the ability to lock in clean windshield for 30 years. Yeah. And, and that's unbelievable. So the fact that you can lock in your debt at that fixed rate while inflation is going up and start paying off with cheaper dollars you know, I've refinanced my portion of portfolio and I'm holding it because I'm looking at that and saying, wow, this is now locked in at that debt. But as that inflation goes up and I, you know, had some of my nicer properties, like let's say in a downtown St. Augustine jump ridiculous amounts of money in two years, I know I'm experiencing just that. I'm paying down existing locked debt with cheaper dollars and the rents have gone up you know, substantially. Yeah. Yeah. Inflation is definitely your friend. It increases the price of the asset. I mean, you could say that's in nominal terms, but the beautiful thing is it erodes your debt away. And so you're paying it every year in cheaper and cheaper dollars. So what looks like a thousand dollar mortgage payment today will still be a thousand dollar mortgage payment 15 years from now. But at that point in time, it'll be the equivalent of having a $500 mortgage payment today. So it's a beautiful thing. So where are the opportunities right now in, in the Southwest or more specifically in Florida? I know you're focused on a bunch of different areas, but if I were an investor, what should I be looking at? Yeah, again, as you know, we started in Jacksonville. Um, that had been my, my main market for years. And we realized if we were going to offer a bigger building opportunity, we had to go into other growth markets. So Jacksonville is still a strong market going down into Palm Coast. Uh, Ocala has been in a tremendous market for many of the investors, as you know, uh, with a good affordability index and rents growing upward along with population in Citrus County over there, the town of Inverness, uh, and then going into Southwest Florida. That Southwest Florida, almost like with Fort Myers as a hub, going down to Cape Coral, out to Lehigh Acres, and then into smaller markets like Punta Gorda, Port Charlotte. There's a number of good markets down there that are experiencing it. So all of the markets we're seeing, again, hit those five factors. And we almost branched, I think I told you, Marco, into Tennessee. We actually had 220 lots tied up up there. And we decided we didn't want to defocus our efforts. We really wanted to double down into Florida and into those markets. So we're really going to be hanging our hat on Florida for at least the next few years because we feel that's where we can do the most good for ourselves and our investors. Okay. Is there a particular reason why Southwest Florida is getting so much attention? Uh, I think the reason why it's getting so much attention is the population growth there is staggering and it's desirable. People love Cape Coral. They love the little beach towns, Englewood Beach, uh, where we do things. Punta Gorda, people like it there. And when they like it there, they want to be there. And th so the population has just leaped. And I think why it's getting a lot of buzz is because, like I told you, when we first started building down there a couple of years ago, we had gotten a report from the municipality and they said, we are three years behind on needed rental inventory today. So now you can imagine what they're dealing with. So that's why I think Southwest Florida is getting such a buzz around it. Okay. So what is pricing looking like today? And uh, in terms of pricing, how is that compared to uh, gross rental income? I know these are moving targets from year to year and sometimes quarter to quarter and month to month, but 
just to give people a sense of what they're looking at in terms of new construction investment property and what the gross rents are. Can you just paint that picture? Again, price point, our main focus, as you know, Marco, are single family home and duplexes. That's 90% of what we build and offer. Price point for single family homes, you're looking at average, you know, 199 or 195 to 295 for the majority of our single family uh, homes. Duplexes will be more of the high twos to high threes for a duplex. And then rents, again, we're looking on a single family home, hopefully to get you a six to 8% cash on cash return. That doesn't include principal reduction or depreciation or anything. And then on the duplexes, we'll look to get a higher amount, you know, eight to 10% cash on cash return for the duplexes. Okay. So more of a macro question here, stepping back a little bit. I'm bullish on Florida, as I mentioned before. In fact, I'm looking to purchase a property. I haven't put anything under contract. I'm still evaluating different markets and options, but I know it's a great place to be. It's one of many great places to be, so it's not the only place to be. But if you, Jim, look into your real estate crystal ball and you try to make a prediction of where we will see these Florida markets in three or five years from now, very mm -hmm. general question, but what is your forecast for those markets? For appreciation wise? Uh, growth and appreciation. I, it's going to be tough to guess on population growth because again, the factors of how I tried to calculate were just so thrown apart by the pandemic unknown. Mm -hmm. It jumped it. It would be very hard for me to give a percentage on population growth. I mean, I've heard numbers of 10 million more people over the next eight years. And that sticks out to me for overall Florida. Mm -hmm. Appreciation wise, I don't see, and I don't like to ever promise because I, I do perform well, this more conservatively. Yeah, and we, we can't promise, but I don't even like to state. But with the lack of inventory, the demand, the interest rates, I don't see how our main and again, our main markets are second tier. I think that's why you and I always saw eye to eye. We're not building in Orlando. We're not building in Miami. We're not building in Tampa. I mean, those are all, those are the top dogs of Florida. Uh, I like second tiers more. Not that you can't get great deals there or do them. I'm sure people do, but that's not our focus. Sure. Uh, but for the second tier markets, Marco, I don't see how double digit appreciation is not in the forecast for at least the next three years, at least because we have to catch up on needed inventory to appease the people. Yeah, I agree with you. And if we were back in 2005, 06, I might agree with you, but you know, hindsight is 2020. And I know that there was a period back then when I remember Cape property values in Cape Coral, Florida had went up in one year, 32%, which is crazy. But I also know that that is completely unsustainable. Because as you have increases in all the good factors, what you have at the same time is decreasing affordability. And you'll get to a tipping point where the affordability becomes unaffordable. You get to a point where investor and buyer demand starts to drop off. And that's where prices start to flatten. And then you hopefully have a balanced or normal market. So the reason yeah. I'm saying that is because I don't think we're there today, even though we're seeing these double-digit price growths. We're not there. And I would tend to agree with you. I don't have a crystal ball, but I would say if that for at least the next two, three years, we're going to continue to see very strong price growth in most of the Florida markets. 
maybe not in places like Tampa and whatnot that are experiencing hyper growth right now. They might top out sooner than some of the other markets around Florida. But I would tend to agree with you that we're going to see strong growth. And I'm not making any guarantees or you know price predictions here. I just am giving you my personal perspective on this. But I'm very bullish sure. on Florida. So I, I think it's a great place to be invested. I think one of the reasons I'm saying what I'm saying is because I don't want people as I said before, you know, to have FOMO, the fear of missing out, or FOO, which is fear of overpaying. That's what I couldn't remember before, fear of overpaying. Yeah. So when you sit back and you hear that Florida markets have had double-digit price growth this year and probably last year, you start to think, well, maybe I missed that train. I don't think that's the case. I think the opportunity is still wide open and huge for the Southeast in the general and Florida very specifically. Yeah, I, I agree. And again, it goes back to we need to look at history to try to have an, just an educated opinion of the future. I mean, that's the way that most economists who called get out in 06, 07 of Southwest Florida. Like you said, the appreciation was huge. The people being offered loans were not qualified. There weren't enough people. The houses were being built and there was, there was a large marketing overall strategy or theme saying buy this house today, not looking at any rental fundamentals and sell it for a hundred grand more in 10 months. Right. I mean, that was marketed and not to mention it was really bad construction. I mean, you start to get into, I don't know if you remember that Chinese drywall yep. incident, I mean, just huge things. And that's what was occurring here. We have, less houses than the people now. So that's opposite. These subprime loans, have they come back some? Sure, but nothing like before of 110, 120% funding, Fagamir, you know, get the loan, no qual, uh, that's gone away. The rates are lower. And coming through that last meltdown, you know, a number of new money that's coming to the market is not over leveraged. The market was over leveraged. You know, I don't know what the percentage of LTV loan to value is now for markets like that, Marco, but you remember going into the 08 meltdown. I mean, the leverage was staggering. No one had equity here. That's a lot different. There's a lot of cash buyers still uh, buying properties, which obviously takes leverage out of the market, which gives it more of a strong foundation. Yeah. And what you're talking about back in 04, 05, and 06 was by definition speculation. People were buying with no intention of keeping or renting the property. They were looking to get in and get out and get paid and do that within a 12-month yeah. period. So by definition, that was pure speculation. And what we have today are real buyers and real renters who are looking and in need of property. And if you look at the median age, not the mean, but the median age of today's home buyer coming in, first time home buyer coming into the market, it's 33. And these people are out there looking for housing because they need it. They want it and they need it. And this is a huge demographic that's coming in right now that is just continuing to swell buyer demand, demand for housing, both new construction and existing inventory. So we as investors have pretty much every tailwind working for us. And we have very little, if any, headwind at this point in time. So it's a great time to be investing in real estate. Where I do feel it's a fantastic time where I do feel people will develop FOMO 
I think the biggest FOMO is this interest rate situation. I believe people who get in the next year will continue to lock in probably at four and a half percent or lower or even below five percent or lower. It's tough for a newer investor, Marco, to understand the power of that. And that will start to go away as inflation goes. These rates cannot stay down, but they are now and they're holding them down for what they're saying the rest of this year and hopefully next. And that's that's the hope. But when I bought my first property 23 years ago, Lompoc, California, 750 credit scores, it was a three family home. So that brings up a little bit, but my rate was 9.125%. That's all? Good credit. <laughs> well, yeah, and full documentation. So, and I'm saying you are at the ability to more than cut in half right now, which brings to the bottom line, and that will go away. And the people that lock in and then continue to take the inflationary ride of rent increases will have an advantage. That's where the real FOMO is going to start to occur because we're just, rents have been pretty flat for the most part for the last six years, I think, in most, even our growth markets. But they were strong, but they were flat. We're just starting to see that growth. And I think that as that growth really starts to take off the next 12 to 18 months, that's when they're going to start to raise interest rates and you're going to miss out on that. So that's why I encourage people, if they have opportunity, you need to look at the interest rate you're locking in at today and don't fool yourself to think that, oh yeah, I can lock in at four and a quarter. That's that's going to be available because it's just not. I mean, I remember the first time I locked in an interest rate of 7.5% on investor loan and I thought I was the king of the world, Marco. <laughs> I thought it was incredible. Yeah. I'm seeing mixed opinions on where interest rates are going to go over the next couple of years, two, three years. But it is my expectation that we're going to start to see interest rates rise after this year for you know the next two, three years. Because again, these are unsustainable rates and it's just going to continue to fuel or fan the flames of housing growth, housing market units. The counter argument to that is this, is that if they raise rates, we're going to stifle the housing market and uh, we're not going to be able to fulfill you know, this growing demand for housing because we are choking the market by int- raising interest rates. So it's hard to know, you know which direction it's going to go because we need both at the same time. Absolutely. So time will tell. Jim, any yeah. uh, final thoughts or closing comments here before uh, we wrap it up with you? No, I just think it's an exciting time for real estate investing. I think there is homework to be done, but I would look at the fundamentals pretty closely, whatever state you go to. And there's some good states out there besides Florida. Obviously, I'm a thumbs up Florida guy, but I think that, you know, just make sure you do your homework. And I think one thing you and I hit on on other shows, Marco, is I think landlord laws are really important for the investor. Um, And obviously going through the pandemic, we saw some very unfriendly landlord situations out there in certain states and others. So I would really look at that moving forward. The landlord friendly, non-landlord friendly should play a big part in where you're going, in my opinion. I completely agree. And we saw that play out during COVID, during the you know this pandemic, where I, I don't know what to call the states, but I'll just say some of the more bluer states or you know more liberal states really had tight, tight lockdowns and it made it very difficult for investors who are running a business, running their investments or managing their investments to be able to replace and evict tenants, put paying tenants in place. 
you know, it, so it just hurt a lot of people. It's not just the person or the people who are losing their jobs, but it has a trickle-down effect. And if you can't move and adjust to market conditions, well, you're basically handcuffed. So I agree with you. Having uh, friendly landlord-tenant laws is important, and Florida is certainly one of those states. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So yeah, that'd be my only thing. And there's other good states out there. And I know Narada has got great reach in lots of places. So I think they're in good hands, but uh, always a pleasure, Marco, sharing this. And it's definitely been an interesting year since, you know, we've talked a lot, but we haven't done a show together in a year. And it's definitely been an interesting uh, experience this last year. Yeah, it's been long overdue. It's, it's roughly a year. I think June last year was the last time we had you on. But we'll have you on on a regular basis. It's always good to have these conversations. And so great. No, I look forward to it and look forward to continue serving the Narada clients. And uh, we'll be talking soon then. Yep, yep. Everything we talked about, you, um, anybody listening to this, if you want more information, just uh, contact your investment counselor here and we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll provide you additional information and put you in touch with Jim and his team as well if Florida is an area you're looking at. So, Jim, thanks for coming on today. It's been a pleasure. Great. Thanks for having me, Marco. Really appreciate it. All right. Well, that's our episode for today. I hope you enjoyed it. We tried to cover a little of everything in terms of the post-pandemic market conditions, but more of a focus on Florida just because uh, Jim is based in Florida and does a lot of new construction in different markets. So again, just uh, connect with my team here. We're uh, here to help you and provide you information and help you make sound real estate investment decisions. Outside of that, I appreciate you listening. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you can catch our show every week as we drop a new episode. Spread the word, visit us on iTunes, leave us a rating and review. Thank you for listening and we will see you all on our next episode. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the U.S. Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of the ultimate guide to passive real estate investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights and media interviews, please contact the host.